Hey, what's happening, y'all? What's going on? So today's election day, and surprise, surprise, many people kept their votes in their pocket. Why is that? But before we get to that part of the conversation, CJ here, and this is the Sound of Black and Brown. We can't thank you all enough for your continued support, encouragement, and empowerment. It really means a lot. This work does not go without its ups and downs. So it's really important that we get that support, especially from the people who look like us. But it's also great when white people are able to recognize change and move in the direction that really leads toward what they say they want. You see what I'm saying? So it's important that we have certain conversations, you know, and that includes also rethinking, remembering, relearning, re-educating. There's a lot that goes into that. So how you all feel about that time when the United States decided to go into Afghanistan to make the country safer? Hmm. I find that interesting. You know, that was a costly venture, not just financially, but if you do your research, the um, social wellness impact of that was really traumatic for a lot of people in different ways, from veterans to those who, you know, care for and are, you know, related to or communicate with or interact with or just care about veterans. I mean, it was a hard thing in that way. Not everybody was in agreement with us going into Afghanistan for the sake of what safety. I mean, millions of people were indirectly and directly impacted and it was costly. And instead of putting money that we had back into our country to really make it safer, to give people big essential needs like food, shelter, job security, we decided to go into Afghanistan. So I'm saying that to say, when we look at what's happening with Palestine, I don't know who saw the news or who was paying attention, but Yemen has launched an attack on Israel. So I'll just stop there. So I see Manny's in the room. Manny, I was just saying, you know, what did we learn from Afghanistan? You want to share your little thoughts on that? If I yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to learn um, from our time there, right? Um, one, remembering the most basic fact of how long we were there, right? Uh, much longer than we ever needed to be. I mean, come on. Like, if you you can't recognize that. I don't think you're paying attention to all the cards at play, right? We were there much longer than we ever needed to be. Um, but let's also realize that there was a lot behind the scenes as to why we were there, right? Um, oftentimes, we see countries give a very superficial reason for attacking another country, for, you know, starting a war or a conflict or an invasion, whatever, right? They'll give a very superficial surface level right, reason. 
And oftentimes people just take that and, and go with it. You know, they don't look deeper into it. They don't look more. They don't find out more details. Nothing. Um, and we see that for, you know, when the United States, Afghanistan, right? See that Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Palestine. I mean, and the list goes on and on throughout history, right? So many wars, so many countries, uh, you know, committing violence against other countries, giving a superficial reason. And people just take it, right? But if you looked deeper, if you truly looked at the details, you know, that aren't on the superficial level, you'll realize one, just how messed up a lot of these wars actually is, right? They, they're really, really messed up and they're in the actual goals that the countries have, right? <laughs> and two, you'll realize that so many of them are absolutely unnecessary, right? So unnecessary, especially when you compare it to the cost of human life. So there's a lot. There's a lot to learn. I mean, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to unlearn. There's a lot to relearn, right? And I'm saying that because we're looking at what's happening with Palestine right now. And for all intents and purposes, the United States is seemingly posing for war. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, like, you know, I actually was um, just having a conversation about this earlier today, right? That the United States has provided all this support and money and sending, you know, weapons, right? Um, and they do it under the guise of one reason, right? But really, you know what it is. It's supporting, you know, for X, Y, Z, you know, all these other hidden reasons, right? And so the fun war, and again, this is a, a tale as old as time, you know, we just talk about any type of country. They do these things. They fund wars. They support wars. They get involved in wars, right? Never really for the reasons they say to the public. Very, very many times for reasons that they don't say. Right. But yeah, I mean, they're absolutely, the United States is funding war right now. Right. Again, they've given one superficial reason. But for all of those who are very much aware of how these things work, we all know that it's for very, very different reasons. You know? Well, yeah. It's for different reasons. It's for selfish reasons. I see three-fifths is on. Three-fifths, we're just recapping our thoughts on 
that good old time when the United States thought it was a great idea to go into Afghanistan. You want to share any thoughts on that? Well, we know it was for oil, the Middle East. But you know, there's a saying, now that we have electric cars, if a, if a country's doing electric battery, the United States would start a war with it, and it would be for the oil. Yeah, I've, 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 it, first of all, with, with Afghanistan, it's not just Afghanistan. The United States is war is a profit. There's a book out by Smithington Butler called War is a Racket. And he wrote in the book, he's a general, and they tried to court-martial him, but he escaped it. But in the book he wrote, he says, you know, we're there for Lockheed. We're there, you know, for uh, 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 DuPont at the time it, it was, he, he was talking. And that's what it is. It's, it's, it's a war. What I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he was telling me what he's concerned with is like people like Manny's age, it's called the poverty drive coming back, meaning that there's no job, so where do you go? Pick a branch. That? Now, let me ask you this. Um, from your point of view, what should we have learned from Afghanistan? We haven't learned anything. We Basically, the American people learned. But we have, as a country, these war hawks, as they're called, that in Washington, D.C., we haven't learned. We, uh, uh, if you look at, for example, Ukraine, if you look at Ukraine and you study Vietnam, the French were in Vietnam first. And what happened was they wound up dumping the United States because what the United States did was say they did Ukraine. They started supplying weapons first, then they sent in the advisors, and they got stuck in the war there. That's that. So it, it, it's the country's a, it's a war hawk. You know, it's, it's, it's war. It's profitable. There it is. Money wins wars, my friend. What was the reason for them going into Afghanistan? What was the real reason? Like, for real? What did they do to you? Nothing. Right? Well, and who paid for that? They, they don't know the history. No, the Russians, with their mighty army, got their behind kicked. Afghanistan has a lot of, uh, like, like uh, caves and stuff, hills. And Afghanistan, people forget, is the number one what? Of the poppy seed, heroin. They're the number one producers of that. So that's what they are. That's very interesting. That's a very interesting point you bring up there. Afghanistan is a very, very, is a, is a, is very, very hard to beat. And they still haven't really defeated Afghanistan. That's why they pulled out. Well, they have a fascination, in my opinion. And Manny, feel free to chime in if you like. I feel like the United States, like other countries such as Israel, have a fascination with control in the Middle East. Who'd like to start on why that is? What's that fascination about? Well, let's say first called Northern Africa, the real name. <laughs> the Middle East is nothing but Africa. The lines are drawn. But you're right. You're right. You're, you're 100% right. A big fascination. And like our friend is saying in, in the chat there, protecting the heroin field, OPEC, you know, natural resources. This is true. There's a lot because let me let me just say this and feel free to chime in for a bunch of prehistoric because they you know when when they describe the Middle East you think that these people have no type of sense whatsoever but somehow they're able to fight back and mind you they're going against technology right like some big stuff aren't they, yes, they are. so how is that even possible in your opinion?
Manny, you want to take a stab at that? How is it possible that these people who are pictured as poor, you know, um, as so uneducated, as so backward, as so simple, right? Because you only see in pictures of them crying and begging, right? That's how they say it, right? On Fox News, right? That's why we boycotting Fox News. But the point is, is that if you ask people like Ron DeSantis, he'll describe these folks as needy. But somehow these poor needy people, you'll keep trying to take over their land and they're still fighting back. How is that possible? Can you, from your experience, from what you recollect, can you walk us through what the times were like in America, living here, while this was happening there. I can't say, I really can't. Because mm. it's just so much. The middle, the, the, I like to say Northern Africa, it's just like Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. You notice, why is it that they don't mess with the Saudis? Mm-hmm. Well, I was just saying to Manny, Yemen started to attack Israel. So this is getting interesting now. See, this is what people need to understand. At this point in history, the Middle East is not going to let you all take Palestine. Forget that. And when you see countries like Pakistan and India agreeing on something, that's pretty fucked up, if you ask me. Manny, what you thinking over there about this? Well... I mean, I, I, I want to touch on, you know, what you asked about, you know, the um, the narrative that is placed around uh, a lot of Middle Eastern uh, people and, and the countries, right? Um, that narrative of them being so poverty-stricken and they're needy and, uh, I mean, you know, they're technically seen as like third world countries right and and there's just there's nothing going on for them right i mean that strategy right of establishing again is a tale as old as time right when a entity that is trying to establish this superiority over another group of people. Well, what is the main tactic that has been used time and time again throughout history, right? It's a dehumanization of them, right? It's doing everything you can to provide this narrative that they are inferior, right? And we saw this again. I mean, you go back to when the Spanish conquerors were going around, right? And they were calling the Mayans and the Aztecs are savages, right? And and they're uncivilized. And, I mean, they don't even know how to do things. Mind you, these people were extremely <laughs> advanced, right? They had their own things going exactly. on, right? Exactly. Keep going, man. Preach. Yeah. So, you know, you had them. They were advanced. They were had all these uh, really great inventions, right? And then um, you even talk about when colonizers started going to africa right and they said oh well i mean these people are they're just 
they, they have no civilization. They have no sense of language, no religion, no, you know, I, I mean, no, like, currency, economic they system. They don't know how to read. Right, they yeah, they're uneducated. They're not capable. Like, they're right. soon, you know what I mean? And so, you know, and so what does that do? Okay, well, it makes it okay for the colonizers to treat them as lesser than, to, sub, you know, subjugate them uh, to whatever they deemed necessary, right? And then, again, you even bring it to more recent history here in the United States, right? When the slaves here in the United States, you dehumanize them, right? You make them have this narrative as an entire population of being inferior so that, one, no one feels bad as to what's happening to them, right? Because... Hey, I mean, they weren't superior and they weren't on level to begin with, right? So they're inferior, right? So whatever's happening to them, you you you're cut off, right, emotionally. Um and then it provides these excuses, right? These excuses and these justifications as to when they're being tormented, when they're suffering, when they're in pain, right? And when, most importantly, when people are controlling them. That word right, right there. That word right there. That's that word, Manny. You're getting mm -hmm. dangerous. So it makes it okay for them to be controlled, right? Because if they are inferior, right, this is the way that humans work. If something is inferior, it is okay to be controlled, right? It is okay to use, right? And again, this is what we see with imperialism, right? The United States has a really, really great history, <laughs> right? Sarcasm. <laughs> um, to going to different countries that are, quote, right, uncivilized or third world or not advanced, right, not brought up to the speed of the rest of the world, and they go there, take over their territory, control everything that happens there, right? And what is the main thing that we often get? Not just the land itself, right, not just the territory, but the resources to make more money, Right. But again, no one questions it because it's seen as we're arriving, right? Not even invading, because even though we are, we're invading them. But no, no, we're arriving, right? To help them out, you know, to, to get them advanced, to push them along. Right. But really, it's to control. It's just to control. It's just that's infiltration of its, high, its highest. Yeah. Remember. Yeah. Columbus pretended to be a friend too, right? I'm pretty sure if he had a selfie stick, he would have taken pictures. You see what I'm saying? The fact of the matter is, you know, at the end of the day, like Three Fifth said, we didn't learn shit from Afghanistan. So for the people who think what Israel is doing is cute, you are supporting a war that you cannot afford. We're barely getting by, right? I mean, we have money for war. But we can't feed people house or give resources. 
What you think about that three fifths? Of course, it, it, it's, 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 it's true. They said that the United States has the biggest war budget in the world. The United States, if you look around, they got the most military bases in other countries on on the planet. It's a war machine. Has a budget. China zero war budget. China said they're 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 if we get into a war, we'll have the money. We don't have the budget. And see the thing about it is, I just read something in the Financial Times. China told them, says, listen, you're worried about this Taiwan. First of all, Taiwan is ours. Second, they told Biden, you can't handle nothing. You got two wars now. You're in two wars. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's three. Don't forget Ukraine. Right? Don't forget that. And people need to understand the economics here because you see the minute Biden decides to go to war, it's not going to be cute. America will literally be at war with the world. That's how I see it. What do you think? I, it, it, it's, it's true. And, and, and the allies are shrinking in this country. Say, mm -hmm. The allies are shrinking. Mm -hmm. For good reason. Manny, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, right? I mean, it, it's it's outrageous. It's absurd that we have so much money to put into war, but we have people here in the United States who are homeless, who are hungry, right? Who can't afford to go to the doctors, right? For serious medical conditions, right? The, for people who don't know, the fiscal year of 2023 defense budget, right? 816 billion dollars and that's without jails right we didn't count jails and mass right. incarceration i just want to clarify so our criminal justice budget is disgusting yeah so 816 almost 817 billion dollars to the united states defense budget okay billions billions of dollars okay um and we're here and we hear all of our Congress people and senators and you know, the federal elected officials talk about, oh, we don't have money for this. We don't have money for that. And we're trying to find money for this. But you're putting so much billions of dollars into the US defense budget, not to mention, not to mention, hold on, the millions and billions of dollars that we're sending overseas to help fund the wars. Right. That's that's its own millions of billions okay. of dollars. Okay, don't forget that part because somehow we didn't have enough money when people started losing work and um mm -hmm. I don't know fast food employees were being overworked and other caregivers you know the lower paying people who had to be the essential unspoken employees right? right we didn't have enough money to give those people money we allowed utility companies to profit from every fucking thing right but still we sent money to israel wow yeah so millions and billions of dollars right getting sent overseas um and obviously hundreds of billions of dollars being poured into the u.s defense budget okay 
Um, and mind you, I, I mean, part of those billions of dollars, right, for the defense budget is upkeep of a lot of, you know, uh, military vehicles we have, you know, the aircraft, the tanks, right? Things that are quite literally, I'm not even joking, quite literally sitting in hangars and stuff, just collecting dust, right? But has to be upkept, right? Maintenance and all those are millions and millions of dollars, okay? Just upkeep them. But they're not doing anything. They're sitting there. But why? Why are they getting upkept and, and maintained? Because very much so, the United States knows that at any point, it can very much just go into war. Right? They could just go into war. Why? Because they, they just have a propensity to do so. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so here's all these billions and billions of dollars to upkeep and to, you know, maintenance everything uh, at those bases and on the warships, right? Mm -hmm. Because they want not only people in the United States to know, but for other countries to know that they quite literally don't care about going to war. They will. They will. At a, at a moment's notice, they will. And you want to know the, the, the truth of it all? It will literally only be viewed as profit. Mm-hmm. That's it. They won't care about. Wait, the I think they're just trying to save some of their money. Go ahead, three first. No, no, I said I'm, I'm following him. Yeah, no, no, you're right. He's absolutely right. I mean, you're hearing this from a young person. This is scary. 18 years old, and he broke that shit all the way down. Thank you for that, Manny. Because you see, people need to understand that. We're not talking about pocket chains, are we, Manny? Not at all. This is not petty cash. This is not petty cash. When you think about the condition of our schools, when you think about the fact that so many before and after school programs, which many parents depended on so that they could get to and from work. Oh, shit. Look at this condition of our buses. A whole fucking pandemic passed and the buses still look shitty. Seriously? How do you feel yeah. about that, Manny? Three-fifths? No, you're right. I mean, you know, here we are. We're supposed to be, you know, trying to do things for our constituents or whatever. But look at that. I mean, the, the, first of all, you know, we see so many elected officials talking about, oh, you know, we're trying to uh, be more environmentally safe and stuff. Okay, so you're spending all these, again, millions of dollars on everything else. But these buses have been absolutely the same for like 10 plus years. You know? Where, where's the maintenance in that? Where's the, you know, development of more eco-friendly, you know, buses and stuff? No, no, no. Where? I mean, it's not happening. Right? How about but you're eco-friendly like, oh, you know. schools? How about schools, you know, um, that look and have that feel? Forward thinking. Yeah. You know, putting solar panels on, on a lot of these, you know, schools and buildings and stuff, right? To, I mean, but what does that do? Takes money away from the pockets of the energy companies, right? Of the manufacturing companies, right? 
I mean, if you have buses that are old and stuff, they need to keep getting maintenance and repair and stuff. And that's more money for the manufacturing companies, right? As uh, If you don't have solar panels and you're just relying on the same electricity, uh, you know, grid and, and pipes and wires stuff that's been in those buildings for like 20, 30 plus years, right? Then you're paying more and more money to those energy companies. So, yeah, no, they don't want to lose their money. They don't want to lose their money at all. Well, like our friend is saying in the chat, there's too much Saudi money in the banks of America. Three-fifths. You want to take that comment? I think that is... Three-fifths, are you there? Manny, are you? I'm here. We... I think we lost him there for a second. What do you think about that? Is that true? Too much Saudi money in the banks of America? Well, I mean, I just I think we have a lot of foreign investment in general into a lot of things that we have here in the United States, right? And again, that also plays a very, very pivotal role in how the United States interacts with other countries. Right, because all those countries and they I don't have, think people know you what know. you're referring to because most people don't realize. Like, look at what's going on now with Palestine and the call for these boycotts. A lot of people don't even realize or recognize that the companies involved, you know, what they're doing, stuff like that. Like a lot of people don't know about this flu that you're talking about here. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, uh, a lot of people are oblivious to, you know, the fact that there's a lot of things here in the United States that very much have foreign ties to them. You know, they're, they're very much foreign stakeholders here, you know, and to a lot of the things that you wouldn't even think, you know, uh, there, there's uh, foreign ties to. And that, again, shapes a lot of international interactions right it, it will literally be the key difference of why we support this country but won't support this country or we'll get involved in this country's war but won't get involved in that country's war you know it really does play such a huge and, and very pivotal uh part you know yeah it does you know i mean it is so much connecting of the dots right but then there's also the other parts that we can't ignore speaking of agencies that could do better what do you think state agencies like the dmv have to do with the oppression of black and brown people if anything i mean you know i so i think you know again when we're talking about reallocating the billions of dollars that are going to things like the defense budget instead of to people's salaries, right? Working people's salaries. Okay. Um, I mean, let's be honest. Anyone who's gone to the DMV, we all know. Okay. We all know. We've all experienced it. I'm not saying all of them are, but the majority of those DMV workers are not happy to be there at all. They're, they're assholes. I'll say it. They're assholes. Go 
<laughs> they're not happy to be there. And why? I mean, look at their salaries. They're, I mean, they're not getting paid enough to actually care, right? They're not getting paid enough to like want to come to work, right? And and actually be nice, you know, to to people, right? But then what does that do? I mean, it's a huge deterrent, right? It's why any of us, I, I'm sure we all do, right? Anytime we realize we have to go to the DMV, we let out the biggest sigh in the world. Oh my God, right? that's where you're going on a field trip, right? You know, it's like, oh God. It's like, or like you're going to the dentist <laughs> or some shit. Like, so resentful. It it's is. Crazy. It's it's a huge deterrent, right? Like no one wants to go to the DMV because we all experience the same thing, right? We experience a very negative atmospheres in there, right? But then again, what does that also do? Well, it stops, you know, unfortunately, a lot of black and brown people from going to do things like register their cars, you know, like go and you know, uh, get their license. Oh my God, there's so many like grown adults who don't have their license, right? And the they had a permit at some point in time, right? They didn't get their license and it wasn't, you know, not all times, not because, oh, they didn't take the class or they didn't want to do the test or whatever. You know, they, they didn't want to go to the DMV, you know? They didn't want, they just... That's not something they wish to experience. It wasn't on their to-do list because, like, it's like you're saying, you're right on point. It's so discouraging. You it know, is. the employees are upset. The process is, like, double-ended. It's the same thing with the DOL, Department of Labor. Yeah. It's very discouraging. That's another one. Very underfunded. But that functional dysfunction is done by design. Yeah. Look at who's affecting. Exactly, who's yeah. You see what I'm saying? Who's getting the tickets? Right. Who's getting pulled right. over? Who's, who's getting the boots on the cars and shit? Exactly. Right. As I was saying, that deterrent, you know, of them not being there and all that, it, you know, they, they say, oh, well, I'm just not going to go. I'm just going to keep doing this. And then they get pulled over and they didn't get the tickets, right? They, because, you know, expired license plate or the car's not registered or, you know, they're, the license was suspended after such and such, and they didn't go back to renew it, right? And again, a lot of times they just don't want to go through that process because it is one of the most miserable processes ever. It's discouraging. It really, you got to take like a whole day out of work to do it too. Literally, yes. Like for real, like it's a it's a whole day out of your time, you know. I mean, and the same is happening with the pharmacies now. Right, because we have a shortage of pharmacists. I don't know if people knew this, but we have pharmacies closing down, and we have an emerging problem here. Right, we have more work than workers. This is not cool. Now, staying in line with that, how do you feel about knowing that a lot of people kept their votes in their pockets today? What do you think? So, that's a really good point. It is because I was, you know, out for election day as I, I've been doing for the past six years. Every election day, I'm out there. Um, I'm out there from 10 in the morning all the way up to like 5.30 this evening, knocking on doors and everything, having conversations. And um, 
I was in one of the wards here in New Haven and having conversations with people. And yeah, uh, there were people who said, listen, I'm, I'm not voting this year. And, you know, but they made it clear, like they voted the year before. They planned on voting next year, but they were just adamant. This year, I'm not voting. Right. Um, and, you know, there are various answers and reasons, but there was a pattern. Right. And it, it was between, you know, losing faith in candidates to not feeling as though their vote actually mattered this election. And that was discouraging to hear, you know, because again, I've been doing this six elections, uh, six election cycles in a row, you know, consecutively. And, um, you know, so I, I mean, I've heard so many responses over the years, but I actually felt kind of just this dread among them, this just huge discouragement that they had. And it was sad. It really was sad. You know, because, again, like I've said so many times in so many episodes, right, people's vote is, is so powerful. It, ma- it it means so much. It can change things, you know. It changes the, the tide, like, more than anything else. And to know that today there were so many people who were active voters but decided that this year they weren't going I'm one of them. I didn't bother wasting my gas. Because you see, Dusted Elliker has his machine now. You see? He has his machine. Right? And what I mean by that, he has who he wants, where he wants, how he wants. He don't need us. And when I say that, I don't mean just in City Hall either, right? We talking about any and everything connected to that. See, that's what's happening with this election in different cities and states. People are tired. You're talking about democracy. Malcolm X spoke about the hypocrisy and democracy, man. We're back there. We're back there. This is why I started off talking about Afghanistan because I don't know if you all ever seen the um, 2009 documentary, Rethink Afghanistan. It's pretty good. Um, some hard truths about, you know, what was really going on, on, you know, the side of America. And this is being given by people who work uh, for the government, including, you know, people who were serving veterans, right? At the time they would have been active. But the point is, is that the money wasted. And here we are so many years later, and what the fuck did we learn? Nothing. Look at what we're saying right now. I just admitted I kept my vote in my pocket. Three-fifths, did you? Of course, yes, I did. Why is that? Because what was there? Like you said, the machine is there. And, and then I see the same, what I call lost sheep. Well, our people died for the right to vote. I wrote a piece on my Facebook page, Influence in Peace. I said, I'm getting sick and tired of hearing that we just died for the right to vote. I said, 
that is somewhat true. But we also died, you understand, in slave rebellion so we can get free. <laughs> so don't leave that one out. In fact, that was before voting. That's a second. If you only think about electoral politics, it's the electoral college that does the voting. You, your vote, you got it in a vote. You don't vote for the candidate. Electoral college, the electoral college does. If I'm not mistaken, Manny probably knows that too. But uh, that's who you, that's who's voting. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole problem is it has to be retooled. You have to go to the system. I keep telling people of proportional representation. I think we need to um, abolish the electoral college. I think it's completely useless. Well, let me say one more thing, if I can, just piggyback. The DMV has been set up. I'll tell you why. I got a friend of mine. Come on. Works at the DMV in New York. I sent him some stuff with us. He said, "What well, they've done since you got to have an appointment, they've they they label them. They know the amount of people that's going to come in. Think about it. Now I know it's because uh, my wife's got to register another car, and I looked up. They used to give you just one appointment. Now you can come in and do three off of one visit. What happens? See, I'm against appointments. What happened to the walk-in? What happens if your plate gets stolen? That means you got to wait a month to get a plate. So what do you do in a meeting? That's right. How are you going to get to work? That's right. So this this is set up. This, this thing was set up during COVID where we'll have appointments and stuff. So they know exactly how many people are coming in each day. Department of Labor. It's being done by design, right? What are you supposed to do if you have to make an appointment? to get your unemployment sorted out. Like, wh- what are you supposed to do? Tell you why, please don't cut me off. They don't give a fuck. See, we didn't have money to help people. We said, nah, fuck that. We go and give Israel money for the IDF. That's a great idea. That's brilliant. That's awesome, isn't it? A person, they do it, what they did in Jersey was, they allowed you to create a template. In other words, mm. you on a computer. They know your plate, you can report your plate stolen. And you can print one up. Mm-hmm. And your template for your appointment come. Here you gotta wait. Mm-hmm. You gotta wait to get in the DMV. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And you don't hear any legislators seeming they're they're not concerned about that. They're not concerned about Department of Labor, right? These things are okay. They've been silent about what's going on with um, you know, Palestine. Like we've said this more than once. We're yet to hear anybody say it cease fire. So y'all like sending money for war then. Manny, what you think about that? Right. That's my question then. What would Dr. King do? Well, what would Malcolm tell you? I'll tell you what I know. Let me tell you what I know. If Fidel was still with us. It would not go this far. I'm telling you that with with utmost confidence. Fidel Castro is still around. This shit would have never go this fucking far. Mm-mm. See, because United States wants to be, it's like what Manny was just saying about the power and control, that power position. But we can't afford it. You know what I mean? We literally cannot afford it. So we need people... Uh, you know, to really recognize that. I mean, I feel sorry for you there, Manny. It must have been really disheartening. And I'm sure right now hearing us saying what we're saying, what you thinking over there? I know you're pondering. Yeah. 
you know, um, election day to me is probably the one day uh, of that year that I look forward to the most. Um, more than my birthday, more than Christmas, more than uh, summer vacation, more than any of that. Um, because of who I am, right? Because of my interest in politics. And, you know, it's the one day that I get to see so many people exercising the most powerful right that they have. And so I look forward to it every year. And that's why in years like this, right, where I do see so many active voters decide to withhold their votes, it, yeah, it's discouraging, but it also is very much a reminder why I need to do what I plan to do. Because it is not okay for our constituents to lose faith in one of the most powerful tools that they have in this country, right? We have a real problem. If that happens, there's a real problem. And so it reminds me why I need to do what I plan to do. And, and I'll tell you this, as I was going around, I mean, I knocked on uh, more than 130 houses um, and had conversations with more than half of them. And as I'm going around and having these conversations with them, um, some of them knew who I was, some were new. And I ended up getting this kind of feedback from some of the people who knew me in the ward uh, that they, I can't make this up, they said, can't wait for you to run. And the one thing I always carry about myself is humility. I think it's the greatest gift we can have, right? Humility. And so being humble, I said, well, 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 thank you, one. (laughs) But two, why, right? Why, why? Why did you say that? Right. Um, And... You know, many of them had different, like, responses, which surprised me. But, you know, a lot a lot of it was what I say, right, about the type of elected official I'm going to be, right? Is I'm going to be the one getting on the constituent nerves because I'm going to be out there so often, right? <laughs> like, not even in an election year. I'm just going to be out there. I'm going to be knocking your door. I'm going to be like, hey, hey, all right, come outside. Let's, <laughs> let's talk, like, you know, because... That's the type of relationship you should have with your elected official, right? I'm going to be doing things that, you know, politicians is not known to do recently, right? (laughs) 
but I am very adamant about doing them. And so, you know, they said, well, you know, we're ready, you know, we're looking forward to you running and this is stuff. And so to hear that they lost faith in a lot of candidates who are running this year, um, and they had problems with them, and, and just sitting there and listening to them, right? Listening to their concerns and what those problems were. As I, you know, like I said, yes, it was discouraging, but I understood. You know, I really did. I, I, I sat there and I actually took the time to understand them, understand where they were coming from, why they were making this decision to withhold their vote this year. Um, but it, it absolutely, absolutely made me even more determined to run because those are the people, right, that you really, really need to hear. You need to talk to them because if they're active voters, they're active participants, and then they just decide, yeah, no, this year I'm not going to. Well, like I said, there's a problem, right? There's a problem that needs to be addressed, okay? Something needs to change. Something needs to be done because it is not okay for us to just say, oh, whatever, you don't vote this year, that's fine, whatever, we don't care. <laughs> well, that's why we need you in office. And that's why these conversations matter. Because like I've said to you before, and I'll say it openly here, your mindset is unique for your age, right? And I hope that for your peers and people you'll get to know who are tuning in, they feel inspired by what you're saying because we need the young people to get involved. Clearly, we can't get our shit together. You know, that's just how I feel about that. You know, um, I have no qualms in saying I kept my vote in my pocket because why waste my time? Like I said, I ain't going, you see the price of gas? Fuck, I'm going to start my car for and do all of that. And I already know the outcome and I know I'm not the only one. We're tired. Things have to change, right? But to do that, as James Baldwin told us, we have to face these things. Malcolm told us about the hypocrisy and democracy. We have to change these things. We have to face these things off. 2023, going to the DMV and Department of Labor should not be as stressful as it is, right? It really shouldn't. We shouldn't have city buses that look the way they do. Like they're, they're, they're terrible. It's horrible. You know, and it shouldn't be this way. It really shouldn't be this way. We have schools that could have been rebuilt, expanded. And let me let me just enlighten people because I saw an article earlier and I said, you know, I'll just mention this in passing. See all those people who are scared about the immigrants coming and where to put them? Don't get fooled. There's a lot of space. Square footage is a hell of a thing. There's a lot of open land that's just there. Think about it when you're driving in certain areas, right? So let's think about stuff like that. And let's think about what our friend Manny just said. You know, let's press for that change. Let's figure out how we could support and empower people like Manny and Manny, right? Especially because we want to see him take that on. Don't we three fifths? Yes. Yes. He has to like, it's, it's, it's written for him. He's following that path. You know, and we definitely support him, right? 
Um, and, you know, it's important that we, as the older ones, recognize we got we to gotta give our youth the ability to, to participate. We need to humble ourselves. Humility is a hell of a gift. gift. That's just how That's I just feel about that. You know, um, you know, before we close out tonight, Manny, any final thoughts? Because this is a conversation we're going to have to continue because we, you know, people need to realize black and brown people do talk about this. We just had that conversation. We spoke about war to cause the war. Let's have these conversations. Let's get the real conversation going. And by doing that, we could figure out how we could change things. I never said we'll agree, but we might find some great solutions. Manny, before we close out tonight, you want to share any? Um, you know, I, I witnessed a lot today, this election day. Uh, I certainly did. Uh, it reignited, uh, many of my aspirations. It provided transparency on the journey and the path that I need to take. Um, it very much let me know what my next steps need to be. Um, for all those who voted today, amazing. For all those who didn't, um, I completely understand you. You know, hearing so many conversations that I did today, I completely understand you. Uh, and it is absolutely okay. You know, I don't ever want to seem like I'm ever condemning that because that in and of itself is a message. Just how people who are voting for a candidate are sending a message. People who are choosing not to vote is also are also sending a message. Um, and, and it's the right message, right? That something, something caused you to not place your vote. And so something needs to change, right? Something needs to be talked about. So that next election cycle, you feel good enough or you, whatever it is that, you know, that stopped you is now not no longer there and you go and cast your vote. So I want to thank everyone for doing whatever you did today, whether it was vote or not vote. Thank you. <laughs> you know, thank you equally. Um, uh, I also want to remind people um, that, yes, it is important to pay attention uh, to what happens in an election year and what happens in between them. Um, it is very important to stay aware, to observe, just be in the know, right? Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I will be Saturday speaking at the uh, first ever youth uh, leadership summit um, and delivering uh, have the have the honor of delivering the state of the youth address um, and you know uh, obviously I've been a big proponent of youth voices for geez going on seven eight years now <laughs> um, and, and I forever will be, right? Even when I get out of my youth, I still very much will be a proponent uh, of, of the generation, right? the younger generations. Uh, Thursday, uh, I 
will be hosting an event I planned, uh, mourning the loss of life in the Israel-Palestine conflict. Um, as we have been recognizing the loss of life uh, in every episode since the start of it, uh, this is an event where I'm inviting all people to come together to mourn the loss of life uh, in a very safe place, a very neutral place. Um, just recognizing that so many innocent lives have been lost that really should have never been lost. And from that, um, yeah, uh, I today has really made me shift my, my timeline. I can tell you that much. It shifted my timeline on how I wanted things to go. But you know what? I think that is when the best uh, changes happen. When the plan you thought was okay, you thought it was great, you thought it was good, but being out there in community, hearing your neighbors, hearing the members of your city, right? Talk about things not going well, right? And if you have to change your plan, so be it. So be it, right? So my timeline has moved. I'm looking forward to getting things done. Uh, you know, here we go for elected office, <laughs> right? Because again, my neighbors, my community, my city, right? They deserve so much better. They deserve to have full confidence in the people who are serving to represent them. So the way people like CJ, me, three-fifths, Amy, and so many others out there on the front lines doing what we do best in every capacity that we can, right? We only ask that you join us in any capacity that you can because why? It takes us together, us together to accomplish the changes that we all really, really need and that we all really, really want. So believe in yourself, believe in each other, support each other, encourage each other. And let me tell you, as history has shown us time and time again, well, we can do it. We, we can get the changes done. But it all starts with believing in yourself and believing in each other. That is how we'll get it. That's beautiful. This is why we love having you here. And congratulations, by the way. And folks, if you're not busy, join us in Waterbury this Saturday. The rain date is Sunday. We'll be having a rally for Palestine. We'll be standing alongside our brothers and sisters from the Waterbury Muslims, WICC, um, um, and others, including um, Yukon SJP. I really hope folks could come out to one or the other. Manny, what you bring, you know, it. we are grateful. We're grateful you're here and we look forward to your growth because it's coming and you're gonna do some great things. I know so and I believe so. Three-fifths, before we close out tonight, do you have any party? Yes, thank God for this pod. This pod is really, really, it, it is growing and it's reaching. And thank God for you. Right. I'm grateful for you, too. You know, it's great when you have people around you who believe in you, even when you don't believe in yourself 100 percent at the moment. That's important, you know, and three fifths is one to me and many others. And it's important that we get, 
you know, the input from those before us too, you know, they still have a lot to say and there's a lot they could teach us. Before we go tonight, I ask if everyone could just join me for a moment of silence for our brothers and sisters. O oh Allah, open the doors of mercy and victory for the people of Palestine. Protect them from all harm and grant them peace and security. O oh Lord of the worlds, assist them in their times of darkness and inspire them with patience and strength. Remove from them oppression and persecution and unite their hearts for goodness and unity. O listener of prayers, hear our supplication for Palestine and its people. Amen. I can't thank you all enough for taking the time to come on tonight, three-fifths and Manny. I truly appreciate you all being here. It's always a good look when a black, angry immigrant sister like me could get the support from a young Latinx man and a, you know, a warrior in the game. You know, my dear friend, three-fifths, black brother from a long time. You know, and we can't thank all those who continue to like, share, and subscribe. Thank you so, so very much for all who tune in and share their support, encouragement. It's so, so important. And you know what? Be nice to yourself. We woke up this morning, we can complain. Some people get that mercy. Wherever you're at, whoever you're with, I'm glad that you're here. And if nobody reminded you, you're amazing. So now you know. That's all for now. Fist up, smile on. Peace. CJ.